All right, well, good evening, everyone in the house and everyone out there in video land. Welcome to our midweek service. Um, we're going to hit a new message today. Uh, we've been talking about, um, what is it, deceptive addictions? Is that what it was? Uh, deceptive addictions. And uh, we're going to get into talking about hidden jewels, something the Lord gave me some probably, I don't know, month and a half or a couple months or so ago. Uh, to share with you guys. Um, uh, a while back, we had one of our, what was it, four, three or four years ago, the vision was uh, Commit to the Dig, was six years ago. And one of the time, around that time, we talked about how there are diamonds in the rough. There's diamonds in the rough or there's hidden jewels. Um, and I coined the phrase, I always think about the commercial, says there's gold in them there, hills. Well, um, if we, as we talked about about six years ago, if we really cross over and embrace this life the way God designed it, if we commit to the dig, we'll find that there's some jewels that's always been hitting around us in our life for us to have access. The Bible says, I've given you richly all things to enjoy. It says you have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Ephesians uh, 1 verse 3. And so let's, let's, let's start here with creation in Genesis 1. In Genesis 1. Um, it's a familiar scripture because we talk about it here a lot at the church. But Genesis 1.1, right? Real simple scripture. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So we always talk about here how that word and is a conjunction. He, he didn't create heaven or earth, but heaven and earth. So God's original plan when he first started everything was for heaven and earth to operate together. Really, his intent was for us, for us to live on this earth realm and enjoy the things of heaven. And the things of heaven have a greater impact than earth, earth realm. I know this is a superhero movie, but I'm going to use it anyway. Remember how uh, Superman was super in earth, but not at Krypton, right? Krypton, he was normal. But that same person in the earth realm was super. So in the heaven realm, we're normal. But in the earth realm, it's considered super. But God set it up together where we can actually do supernatural things in the earth realm. But the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 16, what? We have to pray for it to be on earth as it is in heaven, right? And then um, Genesis 2, 1. It says, thus the heavens and, there's that word, that conjunction again, and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. So that's everyone that's going to complete and house them. So here we have a couple things going on here. We got God creating heaven and earth, and then we got, by the time he gets to uh, let there be light, let there be a firmament, and all these things, by the time you get to Genesis 2-1, God's finished with everything that needs to be in the earth realm. Now, he's finished with needs to be in the earth realm with all, some things were manifested, but some things were in seed form. Some things had to be accessed, right? Because if you think about it, he made man from the clay, right? The clay already existed, right? All right, so, so he had already created, in Genesis 1, he said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness in Genesis 1, 28. But we see in Genesis 2, he takes the clay and he forms it. So, so what happens is he had created man within himself. Then he created a house for man and breathed what he had already created in himself into man. 
right? That's, that's Genesis 2-7, right? He breathed the breath of life in him, and he became what? A living soul. We know that from the other teaching, a speaking spirit, right? To be able to create with what we say with our voice. But that's another teaching. We won't get into that right now. So from the beginning, once we were birthed in this earth realm, we were sent on a major treasure hunt, like from the start of creation. So, because everything that's, that, that we needed, God had richly created for us to enjoy. But now once we're birthed in this earth realm, we're on this treasure hunt. We're on this ability to discover. Now, what happened was sin, this, this world of sin that Satan, when he fell from heaven, like lightning, he came in, he created a darkness and void. We saw that in uh, the second scripture in Genesis, right? And so he made the jewels harder to find. He made the jewels harder to find. You know, the scripture says in 1 Peter 4, 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 8. <laughs> I had help back there. She put up 8, 8, the number 8. She did like this. Thanks, Hope. 1 Peter 4, 8. <laughs> Uh, uh, it says love covers a multitude of sin. But the interesting thing is love covers a multitude of sin, right? But sin covers a multitude of treasure. And so uh, let's, let's go here. We're, we're still in Genesis, right? So we, we got creation. We got all these things already in the earth realm and seed form. You have God breathing in a man. He becomes a living soul, a speaking spirit. And think about this from the beginning. When God created, he spoke and everything responded to sound, everything that had already existed, right? So everything that was in seed form had to resurrect or rise up or break through into the earth realm, right? As soon as he spoke. Now he created man in his image after his likeness. He breathed in him the same ability. So now man has the ability to discover, you know, one, by believing and using his voice, right? You know, believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. That's how things happen. That's how we get saved, right? Does that make sense? And so, so after this in Genesis 2-7, there's kind of a description of what's going on uh, in the Garden of Eden, right? The Garden of Eden is huge, it's powerful. You have four rivers coming from four different locations. So again, rivers flow stuff in and out, right? Just you, you, you constantly had a supply coming in, right? And then um, it says this, this is interesting because... Some people may notice this or not, but Genesis 2, 12. Genesis 2, verse 12. It says this. It says, excuse me. It says, in the gold of that land, I'm sorry. Well, let's start at verse. Eleven. It says, in the name of the first is Python. It's talking about one of the rivers. Uh, that is that is. That is it which compasses the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, right? Now, it's, it's talking about the rivers that's coming through the Garden of Eden, right? And then it says, and the gold of that land is good, and there is bedlam and onyx stone. So there's jewels there also. Why is that even important? Like, look, we're in the second chapter of the Bible, and it's talking about gold and jewels. Why is that even important? See, we think this is important to us, but why is it even written? Why does it even have? If it's not important, if it has nothing to do with your life, why is it even in the Bible? Like, 
Who cares? Well, I know we care. But I'm just saying, but do you understand what I'm saying from that standpoint, right? So here you have these gold and these jewels in the Bible. But the interesting thing is they're in the Garden of Eden, right? So basically, God's given us richly all things to enjoy. So this, this original place uh, I taught, the first message ever taught at this church was a place for your grace. Like be planted, be planted in the right place where you can flourish, right? So God started man out by planting him in a place where he can flourish, where he had all access to all that he needed in this beautiful garden. Now, but also he gave him something, which we're learning in uh, spiritual authority. He gave him something called choice, but he wanted to teach him obedience so he can have authority. He didn't want him to just have all these things. He wanted to operate in such authority and power that Satan or nobody on Satan's team can come against anything he has because of his level of authority. But God understood a principle. You don't get authority until you submit to authority, right? You know what I'm saying? So, 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 so what he did was he set him and he says, okay, here you have the tree of life and the tree of good and evil. You get, all this stuff is for you. Just don't touch this. But, but, but it wasn't about, it was about trust me, be obedient. Now you not only have all this, these wonderful things, but now you have authority. You have power. You're unstoppable if you are just obedient. Which is, you think about in our, in our natural nature. I'm not talking about our spiritual nature, our natural nature. Obedience. So, so even, I'm not even talking to you. So as you heard obedience, right? There's, what is that? You, something happens on the inside, you know, like, what? What? Is there nobody? What? Right? So just something, but that's that natural man because the adversary needs us against the very thing that gives us power. And that's called obedience, Right? So he did this in the garden, and of course, we already know Eve uh, took of the fruit. You know, she, she, she decided to take reputation more than flow in obedience with God. See, the obedience of God was going to give her authority, power, get him authority, power to be able to grow in character, you know, because character helps you to handle the power, right? But she chose reputation. Hey, if you eat this, you'll be just like God, Right? So she got tempted with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life, which we talked about plenty of times here at the church before. All right, so see, once they did this, right, now God shows up and says, whoa, they done ate of the tree. They wasn't obedient. So one, they wasn't obedient, so they don't have authority. Two, they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, we've talked about this before. Before they ate of that tree, evil wasn't an option. So you know how right now we reason to do right or wrong. I don't care how Christian we are. We, we have a choice, right? And sometimes we do right, sometimes we do wrong, right? Well, before they ate of that tree, evil's not an option. Everything realistically is all good. That's the only time it's ever been all good. You know, so you can tell your friends to stop saying that, right? Right? So after that tree, if evil's an option, then it can't be all good, right? Like, 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 like why do you strive? Why do you, hey, nobody, well, I'm just as smart as you. Why, why do you take on that Miriam and Aaron spirit? Well, you the only one to hear from God? I hear from God too. Hey, remember, and she got leprosy for that, right? Because she was rebelling against authority. Authority is not set up to, to enslave you. It's set up to assist you in getting power, right? All right, so, so anyway, you have, you, you have them, they ate of this tree. God, God them comes down. I'm, I'm actually reading through the Bible for you. 
so we don't have to go through everything in chapter 3. But God comes down and says, he says, man, they're, gonna, they're just like us. So we can't keep, one, we can't keep them in the garden. Two, if we keep them in the garden, they already ate the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They're going to eat the tree of life. And once they eat the tree of life, they'll live forever in the state that they're in now, which one we already know is a disobedient state. But number two, it's, it's, it enhanced their desire for sensual gratification. When they ate that tree, the temptation was not just, see, the fruit was just representative, right? The fruit was just representative, just like the uh, anointing oil. It's just representative. You attach your faith to it. The fruit was representative to see if she would attach her faith to what he imparted with his voice into the fruit. Hey, you'll be like God. Don't you want more? St- God is not, what God gave you ain't enough. Eat this and you'll get even more. As opposed to trusting that God gave you all you needed, Eve eats the fruit. Right? So now that enhanced her desire for sensual gratification. Right? And potentially, they would live for gratification, which is a lot of people in sin do. Right? It's all about me and, and what I need versus living for uh, character growth, benevolence, and esteem in others. Like it says in Philippians 2. Three and four, esteem others better than yourself. Look not every man on his own thing, on the things of others. Well, it's hard to do that if your whole life is about you, right? Think about it. When you, you, you really get something you really want. Let's just say uh, today you got a, uh, I don't have it with me. All right. Um, don't want you to miss this, but I need something. So we'll time it. I don't want you to get it now, but I don't know where it's at. I'll get it later. I'll get it later because I, I was going to use something, some money as an example, but I was going to give somebody some money. But since I don't know where it's at, so <laughs> you ain't getting the money, <laughs> at least not right now. Oh, you, you, you sweet like that? You got $50 there? All right. All right. I, you get it back. You get it back tonight. It's in the vicinity. All right, so anyway, so, 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 so let's say you got it. You got 100? All right, give me that. Now I'm going to change I'm going to give it to you since you give me 100. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Y'all got to get this back to you? No, I'm playing. I'm playing. I was playing. I was, <laughs> I was just playing. I got it. I got it downstairs, so I'll get, I'll get it back to you. All right, so... All right, so, so this $100, right? So, so I give you this $100, right? Take it for real. Yeah, take it for real. <laughs> so I give you the $100. But now I tell you to take that $100. Now, do you need that $100? You don't? We'll give it back then. <laughs> Anybody need $100? Oh, so you do. You, do. <laughs> you sure now? I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Make up your mind now. Yes. Okay. All right, so you need the $100. You sure? Yes. Okay, so if you need the $100, and I, take, and I tell you to take that $100, and I got to do this right, and just give it to Trina. Now, because I'm your uncle, you probably would give it to Trina. But how would you feel? You just got $100. You know, an, an additional $100 that you didn't have before, right? Right? So when you first get it, you're going, oh, I got 100 An extra 100 that I wasn't looking for, right? So your body feels a certain sense of what? got hundred dollars. Then you're told to take that hundred dollars and give it away. 
So that same euphoria of I got $100, something happens to you, right? Right? You're like, man, I just got the $100, man. Like, I was even thinking about what I was going to do with it. Right? Huh? <laughs> and then you got to give it away. The feeling that you had when you got it and the feeling that you had with giving it away, see, the flesh is like, man, please. The flesh will come up with, well, did, was that God? Now, was God to receive it? Was that God that told me to give it away because he wants me to be blessed? <laughs> right? Something happens in you. And right, that's that, that's that nature that, see, some people receive that $100, right? And when they receive the $100, they are looking for an opportunity to give. Oh, that's some seed. You know, they go, they're, they're like, they're excited. Oh, that's some seed. Like, whoo, boy, I can't wait to sow this seed. But some people get that $100 going, <laughs> they put the seed in their pocket. All they got is $100, right? So when the scripture says, esteem others better than yourself, look every man on another's, he's, our lifestyle is supposed to be like God. God is love. The, the, the core of love is giving. God was filled up with so much love, he, cre- he created the Trinity. That wasn't enough to, to contain all the love he had. He created man. So man can keep producing, create more vessels where he can pour more love into. And when he made us in his image and after his likeness, it wasn't just the creative side. It was the love side. But, but he knew there's a, the, the way to stay connected to the love of God is to stay submitted to his authority. The love is, is, is the core, the root of all his power, right? So he needed us to stay connected, not disconnect. So, so he told them what to do in the garden, and they, 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 they messed up. But the whole time, he's trying to get something to them. He was trying to get authority to them, but he also wanted them to have access to them Jews. See, because if, I separate, if I'm with God, I, I have power, love, and a sound mind. Clear thinking mind. I can pick up that, 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 we talked about this on Sunday, that signal, that frequency. But if, I, if, if I'm disobedient, I can disconnect from God and I can lose sight of walking in power, which is that authority. Now I'm not walking in love, I'm walking in fear. Because remember, perfect love casts out fear. Fear has torment. Now I'm not considering the only thing, I'm considering everything, the good and the evil, right? The obedience and the disobedience, because I don't have a clear thinking mind. You see what I'm saying? And so, so he said, man, we, got, we, we can't, in this state, we can't leave him in the garden with all the jewels, gold, and the tree of life. So we got to separate, we, we, we got to shut down and close out. He put, he didn't just leave the garden protected by fence. He put Michael's boys, the archangel of war's angels in front of that garden with fiery swords. Like, no, 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 we're not, no, 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 no. Nobody's coming in this garden until this time, until they've learned 
how to submit to authority and walk in obedience and power again. You, you see what I'm saying? He, so, so, he, he, it was, so he removed it. And that, I just gave you Genesis 23 and 24 when they closed up the garden. And so this is interesting. Before this, before this, this eating of the fruit and kicked out the garden, do you know circumcision wasn't necessary? Like people just blow that off. Why are we still doing it then? Why in the hospitals in the eighth day is the child getting circumcised? Now, now, now again, that's another thing faith is attached to. But it was symbolic of, see, if, if, you, if you study it out, I have. But, but what happened was there was no foreskin that had to be circumcised before they ate of the fruit. Everything became a cover-up because that's what sin does. Sin covers jewels, right? So the foreskin that circumcised grew as a result of sin. All the jewels in the garden now is covered. Think about the fine diamonds, they got to dig. Remember, a part of the curse was now you'll have to till the ground. You'll have to work to reap. Before they ate the fruit, obviously he didn't have to work. He just go pick jewels, pick gold, pick fruit, pick food, right? After sin, now man has to labor. The woman has to labor for childbirth. Satan had to labor to, he couldn't even walk, he had to crawl. So everybody went from favor to labor. See, before that, everybody's in favor. You're in a garden, it's all good. After sin is when the labor, the, 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 the travail, the work starts taking place. You see what I'm saying? Now we gotta dig to discover stuff that we had all access to. So God says, I got a plan. I'm gonna send my son to redeem, pay the price for the separation of sin, bring people back into a life where they have all access to jewels, right? See, and this is why we must lock into the Holy Spirit's leading. Allow him to reveal the jewels that are cloaked by chaos, compromise, and corruption. See, there's a lot of things cloaked. So, so think about, we were talking about this uh, maybe a few teachings ago. Like, like, if we just step back, if we step back and look at, at how unintentionally, all right, that's, I'm saying this respectfully because I've lived this life, where how we just got so thirsty. Like the life outside of God, I'm talking about all in with God. I ain't talking about playing around with God. All in with God, it ain't a thirsty life. You're fulfilled. Your cup runs over. You're filled with all the fullness of God, Ephesians 3.19, right? But outside of God, you're thirsty because you're not filled. There's nothing in the world that can satisfy you. That's why they call it lust. It's insatiable. It's, it, you, when, I got, when I used to get high back in the day, we used to, I've shared this before, but, but I, 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 lately I did the little celebration, brought back Upsala College. Well, I made this statement on the Upsala College campus. Me and my friends walking around. I'm a clown in general, so... So, so they're like, man, you're always getting high and stuff like that. Said, said, so the guy comes to me and says, do you have any, uh, got kids in here, white powder, okay, right? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, you know, white powder. I said, oh, you mean more? He said, what are you talking about? I said, no, it's not called, um, let's see, let's see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, it's called more. 
Why you call it more? I said, because the more you do it, the more you want it. I said, think about it. Most of the things you do outside of God, the more you do it, your body, remember I told you, a foreign substance comes in your body. Your body develops an immunity to function with it. Now what got you nice, high, whatever you want to call it, now it's not getting you high, so you need more. And then that, that after, you, you're immune to that. You need more. You need more. And before you know it, you're down this rabbit hole, and you're never getting your thirst quenched because it's not designed to quench your thirst. It's insatiable. It can't satisfy you because it didn't come from God. It came from the perverted one, not the creative one. Right? The perverted one can't satisfy you. Right? That's why it keeps you thirsty. I didn't say the perverted one can't have you feel good in the moment. I said the perverted one can't satisfy you. That's fulfillment. That's, that's not success. Right? All right. So, so allow the Holy Spirit to reveal these jewels. Right? And I, and I, I, I studied this out for something else before. But, but you know, diamonds are, are like coal. Right? It's pieces of coal. And there are pieces of coal that's done well under patience and pressure to maintain its value until it's dug out and exposed. So diamonds are coal that's done well under patience and pressure. Because the diamonds are sitting there until it's dug out and exposed. So it's doing well under patience, but it's also doing well under pressure because it it has to deal with pressure to produce its brilliance, right? until it's dug out and exposed, right? And so, so the scripture says, let's go to Isaiah 37. Isaiah 37, and it's familiar scripture, but we're going to see it in a different way. Isaiah 37, well, this is perfect. Okay, so Isaiah 37.3. And it said, and they said unto him, thus saith Hezekiah, this is a day of trouble and of rebuke and of blasphemy. It says, for the children are come to birth and there is not strength to bring forth. So we can take this scripture in the context of what we're talking about saying the children have come to a place to actually discover these hidden jewels, but they haven't had the strength to dig for. Like every time they're getting close to the breakthrough to bring forth what God has for them, right? There's a choking or there's a complaint. You, know, you ever, okay, now listen, I won't say no names, but we got to be mature here. You ever find yourself at a place where you go only but so far and then either you self-destruct or you bail out? You know what I'm saying? And it's like, it's, and, and, and it's almost like, okay, the boss, oh, see, they tripping now. Oh, no, they got me twisted. Oh, they tripping now. Now, see, I ain't, I ain't nobody dealing with all this. And, we, and, you, and you out of there. But, but you ain't got another job. Wouldn't it make sense to get a job? Right? But, but something in us goes, tells us, I don't have to tolerate. But, but deep down in there is some self-destruct going on. Or, or, or you finally find the relationship. You know, it could be the church relationship, it could be the boyfriend and girlfriend relationship, the marriage relationship, pick a relationship, best friend relationship, and then the person says or does something that throws you off. Oh, you done. Really? Do you know how many things you've said to throw people off? Do they, should they just bail out on you like that? 
Right. But there's something in you where you don't want to dig for the jewel of the relationship. You don't want to dig for the jewel of the family. You want to retreat to isolation each time. You're a child. God's, God's trying to bring jewels out. But you choke when you're supposed to dig. Right? See, uh, we're going to go through this in uh, spiritual authority, all these teachings in my head because of class and stuff. Right? Do you know we're going to talk about fellowship and what Christ suffered? Do you understand? He suffered, and every time he suffered, it triggered obedience. So he only suffered enough for the obedience to manifest, which was going to facilitate what? The authority. But do you understand some of us suffer for years? Because we got a lot of suffering, very little obedience. Because suffering for a lot of us facilitate complaint and running. Or as I used to do, I'll just use me, hit the self-destruct button. Oh, we're going to blow all this up. We all getting blown up in here. Right? And, and so, so, and then we justify it because we look at uh, it's unfair. But I was, uh, we, I'm sorry, whole nother class. I was about to say, but I'll show you, but that's going to be in class. <laughs> Everybody's not going to be in class, right? But Christ converted all that stuff into power, right? And so, 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 so here we're, we have this ability to get out, to, to, to richly enjoy everything, to be fulfilled. I don't need nothing. Do the people that you're connected to need anything? Everything is not about what you need. See, again, if we're thinking like Christ, if, 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 if my cup's running over, I have so much to pour in other people's lives because I don't need anything. Okay, all right. All right, so, so my wife said this. Uh, I don't remember when she said it. I just have it. <laughs> So peace, P-E-A-C, is only peace, P-E-A-C, when you get your peace, P-I-E-C-E, out. So peace is only peace when you get your peace out. Peace to be in tranquil peace is only tranquil peace when you get your jewel out. There's a... Listen, the humblest, unselfish, craziest, selfish, list anybody you want person are all longing for their peace. No matter what you, no matter how you, a, a clouded person, something inside them is having them chase and get greedy because they're trying to fulfill a void that only God can fill. The person living for God is not satisfied at that level because they're only going to be fulfilled in what God has for them. We only feel with our, when we're at the place of our Jews. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 4, 7. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We're talking about hidden jewels. Hidden jewels. And I think, you know, we're, sometimes we're depressed because we think we've done everything, right? And that's understandable. If you think you've done everything, it's, it's understandable or you'll be depressed. But you know what hope is when you realize, ah, I didn't, I didn't do that. Haven't done that. That triggers hope in you. All right, so 2 Corinthians 4, 7. All right, this is a familiar scripture at this church. All right, it says, but we have this treasure hidden in earthen vessels 
that the excellency of the, of the power may be of God, not of us. So we have this treasure, right? So God has placed jewels deep within us that are drawn out when we dive deep into God's presence. God has placed jewels or treasure deep within us that are drawn out when we dive deep into his presence. Well, you know, the scripture says, stir up the gift that's within me, <laughs> right? So uh, uh, James 4, 8, draw nigh to him and he'll draw nigh to you, right? So what it's saying is, I, I, I want to press into God's presence, but the deeper I go into his presence, the more it draws out what's in me. Remember, the scripture says this in John 15, 7, it says, if you abide in me, right, dwell in me, and, and I abide in you, and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. And so I always use the example, way back in Ohio, I had this big, huge bowl of water, right? The bowl was God. The water was his word. And I took a, 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 a Coke bottle, a Sprite bottle, put inside the water, but I had an ink pen cap on side of the, the bottle. So, so the bottle represented man. I know bottles are made from sand, we're made from clay, but it represents man. So I submerged it because that was abiding in him, right? But, 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 but yet his, his word wasn't abiding in the bottle yet, right? As it got deeper, the water started going inside. Once I submerged it to the bottle, it couldn't, if I put the bottle in halfway, no water was going inside that bottle. Three quarters of the way, no, bottle, no water was going inside. It had to submerge, go deep. It had to be totally submerged in God. Then all of a sudden, a flood of water started going inside the bottle. But let's say if I pulled it out real quick, well, there's been a little bit of water in there. No, I kept it in there until that water went inside the bottle and shot that pin cap out. That pin cap will represent the treasure that's inside of us. We're the bottle. We submerge ourselves deep in God. That word starts to, to saturate us. It shoots out all of God's place in us, all the treasures and all the Jews, jewels that's been hidden in there. That's why the Bible says where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So the longing in your heart that you have, that sometimes the adversary tries to offer you like he offered Eve or bribe, here, here, you feel the longing, smoke this. Here, you feel the longing, drink this. Here, you feel the longing, do this, do that. Here, here, be around these group of people uh, that, that'll pump you up, that, you know, that'll pacify your compromise, right? That longing in your heart is looking for God's treasure, and the only thing that's going to satisfy it is going deep in God, right? And so, so I was thinking through this, and I, as God was showing me something, he said, Keith, he says, when y'all first got here, it's in you. He says, he says if you look at your life, and I, I remember this uh, man of God, uh, I think I... I think I showed y'all the video where I was with Tim Story and he had me waving hands and laying out the, like the whole audience and stuff. Well, so during that service, you know, Tim Story, he was, you know, they were playing the music, he's bouncing around, he tells somebody to come up, go like this, and they fall, bam, hit the ground hard, like, you know, and then he's just, you know, he's, <laughs> Tim Story was cool. All right, so then he said, he, so he's, he, he, he grabbed me, he said, come on, come on, you go over here. And so he had me doing it. But he said something when I came over. So the way our the church was huge and, you know, they had a different culture. The culture was the, the ministers sat in the chairs to oversee what was going on. I know we sit down there, we just have a different philosophy. Nothing wrong with that philosophy. So when I went over to him, he said, it's been on you since you was a kid. 
That's all he said to me. I wrote it down. I haven't forgot it. But as soon as I talked to God in my private time, God started giving, almost like, you know, uh, I did a message years ago called Hindsight of the Great. In hindsight, God went back. What does the Bible say? God declared the end from the beginning. Right? Isaiah uh, 46.10, right? No. Isaiah, is that 46.10? Yeah, Isaiah 46.10. <laughs> all right. So God declares the end from the beginning. So God took me back to the beginning and showed me all the little signs, all the little pathways, all the little strategic things, all the little angels' assistance, all the breadcrumbs. And I was like, whoa. Then he started, this person's seen it, that person's seen it, that person's seen it, that person's seen it. I was thinking, I was thinking of this. Like, when, when I, I walked on to college, I wasn't even really, I ain't know nothing. Because I didn't have the background of somebody walking me through, telling, like I, with my son and my grandson, I'm telling them what to look for. You know, at every level, do this, I, do that. My son played against pros, I told him exactly what to do. Because I had done it. Well, I didn't have that. I'm naive. On the team, thinking I got a tryout every year. <laughs> I'm already on the team. But I, but I was selected as a captain. I'm not, a, I wasn't, a guy came up to me and says, are you, are you crazy? Do you understand? That doesn't happen? I was like, I just figured he picked the person he thought could be the captain. No, he's like, but you're not a recruit. You're a walk-on. Then I remember uh, we were playing this game. And um, uh, so I forgot, I forgot about this. It just came to me. So our games was on public TV. I forgot, you know. And so I remember the guys came into the next day practice and everything I did, they was like, defensive specialist, Keith Bradley, defensive specialist. I was like, why y'all keep saying that? They said, you ain't see the game last night? The announcer kept saying, Keith Bradley from Newark, New Jersey, defensive specialist. And I was like, really? I'm not, I, I wasn't even nobody. But, but why did I bring that up? In different stages of life, God, people have been saying stuff to you. Some of it, if you had low self-esteem, you're like, man, stop. You, you, you're just trying to pump me up. No, they wasn't. They were trying to give you a clue to find the jewels. <laughs> they were clues. They were, they, were, they were making you aware. They were strategically placed as the next clue. You know, you play the game, and you got to go to this place and to find the next clue to lead you to the next place. They were strategically placed to show you the clues. And so I thought about this because the Bible gives us these examples. So, uh, I don't know if you ever studied this out, but Daniel and Joseph had some things, they had a lot in common. They both were dreamers. Well, you know, had this ability, interpret dreams and stuff like that, right? Uh, do you know they both were taken from where they were birthed and taken captive? Unfairly. But they both rose to the top no matter what you threw at them. No matter what you threw at them. Daniel, listen, they just took them. Was treating them, they, they, they slaves now. These, these are great people in, the, in, the, in God's kingdom. Now you're over here in Babylon, you had nobody. Joseph was, he was a favorite of, he was one of, he's one of uh, uh, Jacob's kids, Israel's kids. You know, he was rolling in favor. Then you send them to slavery. But, but if you go back, study those two people out. They never changed them. Bring it. I'm going to stay connected to God. Basically, I'm going to find the Jews. <laughs> and remember, Joseph ended up being uh, top of the enemy's people. 
What happened to Daniel? He ended up being top of the enemy's people. Do you know they both were teenagers when they were taken slaves? Joseph was 17. Daniel was between 17 and 18. How you know he's in the Bible, uh, Genesis 37 2, it tells you Joseph was 17. Daniel, all you got to do is look at all the kings that reigned. He was, he was 70 when he was uh, 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 put in the lion's den. He was 85, I think, when he passed away. Now all you got to do is connect the dots, and you realize he was 17, 18 too. Teenagers. We wait until we're 50. Teenagers put in unfavorable situations and rose to the top. Now, why did I mention that? Because there's a lot that's given to us when we're young that we blow off because we say, I got time. We don't embrace our gift and our calling and our purpose, and we don't embrace our responsibility to manifest God's jewels within us when we're young, and we should, right? So, (laughs) this is what the Lord showed me. We are actually living out the reality of our vision as teens. We're living out the reality of our vision as teens. There's things that we dreamed and saw even when we were young as young teens. And when we lock into God, we start living out the reality of what was in us a long time ago. Remember, uh, uh, he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit. It says the young men will what? Dream dreams, right? And the old men will see visions. Is that the way around? Let's go to Joel 2 and see. All right, let's go see what it says. All right, let's just go. I probably said it wrong. Let's go. This is Joel, right? Where's Joel at? <laughs> I Joel to Joel two twenty. It says, "And it come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy." And as Pastor Mel said, your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see vision. All right, so think about the young men seeing vision. That's, that's things that haven't happened yet, right? And so you think about even as teenagers, they saw things that hadn't happened yet, right? And so a lot of times we start to see clearly, but the adversary tries to attack us, get us hurt, get us offended, get us frustrated, to cloud us from moving forward with what we see, right? So we're actually living out when we come to God the reality of our vision as team. That's, that's why I made that statement. I, some of us are looking for this great outpouring, right, when it's already take, taking place in our innocent years. The outpouring has already taken place in our innocent years. We're supposed to grab those things. Think about it. Joseph ended up living out the dream he had it way before he was held captive 
as a young child. He ended up living that out. And if you, you, when you start manifesting into some of the things of God, I guarantee you, you probably can connect them back to dreams, visions, things you wrote down, things you saw that you blew off. I had this weird dream. <laughs> See, back then they never said I had a weird dream. They wrote it down. <laughs> we, we, we do stuff like that. I just had this weird dream. It made absolutely no sense because if it doesn't line up with what's going on in your everyday life, it's, it's earmarked as weird. Not, what is God showing me? God's showing me something. What is he showing me? Right? And so that's why the Bible says, Zechariah 4.10, it says, don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise, despise when you're in this smaller place in your innocent years that what you're getting is not valuable for things to come. The Bible also says in 1 Timothy 4.12, it says, let no man despise thy youth. See, because you, you, you could take for granted because you're not in the atmosphere of comfort, convenience, things are not always going your way, and you can almost despise it. I, I think back to uh, uh, Zamir did a great job of, of the, uh, the five-minute series of uh, Keith Bradley from Newark, New Jersey to uh, uh, Charlotte or North to Columbus to Charlotte, but I actually watched it the other day again. And so, so it was just amazing. Like, he was sitting on the porch. He was like, man, you did a great job at acting. You know, man, is it always going to be like this? Uh, you know, well, I can't complain. I can't complain. It's just going to get worse. But he said something else that hit me. It was like, what does it say? Uh, uh, things, but it was like things happen bad, but then they just get worse. It was just, it was, but it really was kind of how I was on that porch. And the interesting thing is, I, I couldn't plan this. The day I sat on that porch and made that statement, I was 17. And I was like, God, this is it? This all you got? But, but what, what am I, what's my angst? My angst is my environment. When I wasn't supposed to be focusing on my environment, I was supposed to be focusing on the vision and the dreams, Right? Scripture says this in Job 36, 14. It says, they die in their youth. See, it only manifests when they get older because they are actually living out the reality of what they, what they allowed to happen when they were young. Right? Because that's when they're smothered in conformity. They lose. See, when we're smothered in conformity, we lose sight of the dreams of our youth. So we begin to atrophy die. Right? Where there's no, my people. So if you, if you think about, if, if, if you were the adversary and you were trying to attack these people that was going to destroy you, you would try to attack their ability to see. That's why, you know, we spend so much time, is this right or wrong? Can you see when you do it? Is it, is it giving you clarity or is it impairing your vision? Are, are, are you allowing yourself to feel good while you're losing sight? That's the thing, because it's stealing stuff from us. And, and so I do stuff because I want to feel bad. I just want to feel bad. Just, you know, I'll use me. You know, so I, so I used to smoke, drink, all types of stuff so I could feel better. But I'm clouding myself from the very ability to see my way out of the mess. So now I'm going to be stuck in there longer. 
right? So this is the thing. Uh, the Bible says the interest of the word bringeth light. The interest of the word bringeth light gives understanding to the simple. So the more word I get, the more I'm going to see, obviously, because I have more light, right? So the more we eat, the more God's dreams are revealed. The more we eat, I'm sorry, the more we eat, the more word we eat, the more God's dreams are revealed. The more, the more word I soak up. So the less word I soak up, I'm, I'm cheating myself from the ability to see through the darkness, right? Interest of the word bring. If light, it gives un- understanding to the simple. But not only that, the scripture says the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the more word I get, it shows me where I'm at. That's a lamp unto my feet, uh, Psalm 119, 105, right? But it's not only a lamp unto my feet. I raise that lamp as a light into my path. It shows me out of the darkness. So why would I cheat myself from, from, from absorbing the very thing that's going to help me see my way out of this craziness, out of this hustle? Like, you don't have to hustle when you got all these jewels. Rich, rich, rich folk don't hustle. They don't need to. I remember Eugene Parker, uh, he was a Dion's agent. He was uh, recruiting a couple of players that I was mentoring. And he was sitting there. He said, nah, he said, man, I understand you guys. You know, you guys want to buy a nice car and a nice house. He says, okay, if you sign with my agency, we'll make sure you get a house car or whatever. He says, but our goal is for you to be independently wealthy. He says, if you're independently wealthy, he said, you don't understand. People don't start a golf shop because they want to make money. They don't start a, a, a restaurant because they want to make money. He said, they start a restaurant because it's something that they like to do. They don't need the money. Those businesses grow because they're not desperate. He said, if you want to play professional football, he said, you might, want to play, you might like the city you're in. You might want to play on grass. You could stay because you're independently wealthy. But if you're desperate, you got to chase money and maybe chase yourself out of an atmosphere to flourish just so you get dollars. He says, but I want to, I want to train you to be independently wealthy. All, Eugene Parker actually, he, he died a couple years ago, but he was a Christian, a solid Christian. And the interesting thing is he understood the principle of God has given you richly all things to enjoy. God understands if you find these hidden jewels in your life, you'll never have to be desperate. You don't have to leave my presence. You don't have to sacrifice spending time with me chasing something that I have for you. You're chasing something that, that you can't get without me anyway. Right? Look, the scripture says this in Psalms. We got 10 minutes. Psalms 103.5. Right? Psalms 103.5. Look, we, we can go there. I want you to take my word for it in the book. Psalm 103.5. It says this. It says, Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things? so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. He's trying to renew the things that he's imparted into us for our youth. He's not trying to throw it away, but he satisfies you with good things. Ask yourself this, and ask yourself this in your time with God this week. What did you see back then in your innocence? And can you bring it back into focus? What did you see, and can you bring it back into focus? I'm going to read you a, a, a 
passage of scripture, you can write it down. Hebrews 10, 32 through 36. But I'm going to read it out of the message. Hebrews 10, 32 through 36. You can't make this stuff up. It says, remember those early days, look, after you first saw the light. It says, those were the hard times. Kicked around in public, targets of every kind of abuse. Some days it was you, other days your friends. If some friends uh, went to prison, you stuck by them. If some enemies broke in and seized your goods, you let them go with a smile, knowing they couldn't touch your real treasure. So what, it was, what it's saying is, when, when you first come to the light, you first come and you give your life to the Lord. First of all, it's a fight to even accept Jesus. You know, depending on your culture you've been to, I know it's hard for me. Right? But when you first do it, I remember when I, I, I was just telling the story uh, to someone because all these running to all these people from my past, uh, which blew them away. So I worked in uh, corrections in upstate New York. And so they would take the kids to chapel. I might have told you guys before. Well, I didn't go to church. But I knew enough. I believed there was a God. I just wasn't living for him. And so I was like, man, the kids, nobody's taking them to chapel. I don't go to church, but I'm not going to deprive them from not going. So I'm going to take them to chapel. So I took them to chapel. And, you know, one day they had this Southern Gospel group come out. Make a long story short, they really broke down uh, why Jesus was important. Because my philosophy was, was he, if he's the son of God and I'm a son of God, why well, I got to go through him? Meaning I didn't want to submit. Right? You know, so when I got it, I remember that day I went to play basketball. Every word that came out of my mouth was Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus this, Jesus that. And I remember nothing bothered me. They messed up on my check. I remember that same week. When I say messed up on my check, I probably got uh, 35% of what I should have got on my check. And I was like, something's definitely wrong with this. But, but I'm in this other space now. I'm in the Jesus space. I was like, well, God just got to work that out. I didn't think nothing about it. Got my check back and got more than I should have got. Like, literally nothing bothered me. Because I'm in that honeymoon stage. We talked about that in Survival Kit, right? I'm in that honeymoon stage. Oh, nothing bothered me. You know, you know then, I, then I, you know, I started the honeymoon stage wore off the butterflies. Wore off. <laughs> you know, and I started tripping. But this is saying those early days when you first saw the light, well, see, the thing about the light is it exposes things. And I think, I think what happened was when I first is born again, remember? John 3, born of water, born of sin. When I'm born again, I'm actually now starting the path of what God originally designed for me to be. That guy in the youth that nothing bothered me. You know, you ever see kids, nothing bothered them because they don't know. Throw a kid in the water, he starts swimming. They don't know they're supposed to drown. Right? But then as they grow, they start to understand things they can fear, and that's what changes them. And a lot of times it's from the parents. Don't watch out for this. Watch out for that. Oh, hey, don't do that. Hey, hey go back. Yeah, hey, what are you doing? Go. And before you know, the kids are like, <laughs> they, 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 they don't even know it's danger. They just keep hearing it from the fearful person that's around them all the time. Right? But before that, they would do things by faith. I've seen my grandson scale our foyer. Like, was the ceiling this high or higher? It might have been something. Well, let's, let's go down here. I don't know. Close. But, but he had to be what? Five, six? He got, put his hands on both sides of the walls and his feet and scaled. 
he got on a bike, never rode in his life, and just, he was, everybody's learning how to ride a bike. When my turn, was it my turn? Then we had to go eat. We go in to eat, he sneaks out, gets on the bike and starts riding. Never was trained to ride a bike. Just start riding. I had to do the little training wheel thing, you know, and they took one off and I kept leaning to the side, you know, when I thought I was going to fall. They had to do all, all that. I seen him scale, these two, scaling this, this web or something. And I was like, I'm thinking I'm supposed to help. I said, well, everything in me said, let him do it. Went up on the top, I was like, now, nah, I'm going to see how he's going to get down. How's this kid going to get down? Then he got down, but a, the space was larger than his body. I was like, so this is the part where he's going to ask for help. Nah, he figured it out. You know why? Because he didn't know what I knew. You can bust your behind. Do you understand there's something that's been given to us that the world takes away? Now we won't try the simplest thing. Well, you know, this could happen. Well, you know, but if I try that job, what if I leave this job? Well, if I go try to get that? Well, you know, hey, suppose I go in there. It's a beautiful house, but it could be some nasty neighbors. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we, we just be at, we're using something that doesn't exist to add on because you ain't in a neighborhood. So you're having faith in the negative possibility. Right? We, we, so when we first come to the light, we have, we, he's bringing us back into that ability to see and have vision again, right? All right, I'll give you this and then uh, we got, we'll, we'll close. Um, Matthew 3, no, Malachi 3.17. And I'm going to read it at the Amplified version. Malachi 3.17. Right, so he says, he says, and, uh, and this is after he talks about uh, prove me, bring your tithes in the storehouse. He says, I won't prove that I won't pour out a blessing, you won't have room enough to receive because I want you to have all these things. Uh, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Your vine won't cast forth fruit before its time. But then he says this, he says, and they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I publicly recognize and openly declare them to be my jewels, my special possession, my peculiar treasure, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. He says, I'm going to, he's saying, I'm going to actually return them to being my jewels. I put this treasure in them, I'm going to expose this treasure. See, this is the thing. The darkness of this world tries to cover the shine of our design. The darkness of this world tries to, to cover the shine of our design. Our design is shiny enough to fulfill everything we need, but the darkness of the world tries to weigh it down. And then once you start to, to conform to the world, then you start to take on the world's assessment of who you are. Even though you're peculiar, you're different, right? So you have to be face-to-face with God to really understand your value. So if we misappropriate our value, we can unintentionally mar our brilliance. If we misappropriate, right, our value, if we don't really properly understand our value, we can unintentionally mar or smear our brilliance because now we'll take on conformity. You know, it's the story about the uh, eagle uh, that fell out of the nest, the little eaglet fell out of the nest into a chicken coop. So when it finally, well, the egg fell out of the nest, so when it finally hatched, it looks up and it just sees a bunch of chickens. So it starts to conform to what the chickens are doing. So, you know, chickens hopping around, it's hopping around. So, you know, and it's, and it's always getting picked on because it looks different from the other chickens. It's acting different, right? Sometimes 
you know, it would, it would, you know, uh, it would take off higher than the other chickens. You know, you know, yeah, they out playing ball, it would jump, or you just trying to show off. You're gonna hurt yourself. Hey, hey, we have a certain limit. Jump this high, you safe. Jump this high, you die. Just don't go any further than that. Who you think you are? Man, you, you ugly. You this, that, and the other. Constantly picking. And, and, and from time to time, the, the, the eagle would see uh, these, these big birds flying over. It's like, wow, man, look at them. They can fly. Listen, listen. Why are you even looking up there? We don't fly like that. We hop. Chill out, man. You ain't going to never be one of them. And so one day they're out in, in, in the yard playing around, and they're jumping around. And, um, and so the eagle got tired of getting picked on, you know, and losing the, the jump contest. So he runs he's as fast as he can, takes off, and, and never had been that high, so panics. And just starts flapping his wings out of panic. Well, he starts flapping his wings, and he takes off. And as he's taking off, you know, just out of flapping, he flies over a lake, and he sees a reflection of himself. And says, oh, my God, I'm an eagle. Takes a turn, flies back by the, cho- the coop and goes, bye-bye, chickens. Once he was face-to-face with what he was, he no longer was going to settle to being less than what he was, based on what everybody else says. He had an improper image of himself. He was letting them dictate as opposed to him. Right? So he couldn't discover the jewels or his ability uh, to fly. Uh, I got this quote from a long time ago. I know this person is probably a little controversy now, but it was uh, Brian Houston. But he said, uh, don't play with marbles. Don't play marbles with diamonds. Don't play marbles with diamonds. Why would somebody play marbles with diamonds? Not understanding their value. We're treating ourselves like marbles and we're diamonds. We're precious jewels, and God's trying to take what's hidden in us to come to the surface. All right, we'll, we'll just stop there for the day. We'll get into some other stuff um, next week, unless the Lord has something else he wants to talk about.